Welcome, everybody. I'm Jeremy Mohavlich. He is the real Ron Cortez, and this is Motorphiliacs TV, the podcast. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? I am well, my friend. I am well. How are you? I am doing pretty good, I think. A little tired today, but, you know, other than that, life is okay. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a heck of a week. Been it has. Week. I'm a little sad. As you know, I was I was looking at an old Land Rover. You were. It was a 1964 Series 2 Land Rover. Yep. And I came that close to getting it. Yes. Some guy. You got robbed. I did. I was, I, I waited a day too long to make an offer on the guy and somebody beat me to it, made the same offer I was going to make. The seller accepted it. It could have been mine. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. no, that's, that, that, that truly sucks because that was your number. That You were going to offer him that. You would have made off like a bandit instead. It's going down the road with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. A little disappointing. That would have been a cool project. But uh, you know what? Life goes on and there's other projects and cars out there. As we've talked before, there there are projects everywhere. They abound. We'll find, we'll find another cool ride like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's episode four of the podcast. It is. It's going well. You know, we, we're, we're appreciating all you folks that are listening. And uh, we're watching the count increase Day by day. Yep. Yep. So hopefully uh, we're doing stuff you like. You know, if you have any suggestions, feedback, comments, let us know, requests. Yes. Hit us up. Hit us up. Send us feedback and we will respond. So for this episode, we are going to do a, uh, we're going to do a grab bag of car news. We're going to kind of quick fire here on some exciting and interesting and maybe uh, not so interesting uh, new cars that are that are right around the corner, and then we're going to jump into a short little bit on four racing topics. So I've got my notes. I'm making yep. paper noises right now. You've got your notes. Yep. So the first thing I wanted to touch on is you know a sign of the apocalypse. Maybe the end is near. Say it isn't so. I mean, you know, we've got war in Ukraine and environmental collapse and climate we change do. and COVID. And this might just be a sign that the end is near and the apocalypse is coming. Lotus is making an electric SUV. Yes, so I saw that. Colin Chapman's turning in his in his grave. He is. You know, his his mantra was add lightness, and now they're making a big, heavy SUV. Yes, yes. And I've, I've got a picture of it here in front of me uh, on the computer. And I, I don't know. It's kind of cool looking, but it... I don't really see the the point of it as an SUV, the really low roof line, the lack of ground clearance. I mean, they might as well just made another sports car. Yeah, and I mean, you know my attitude. I I, I hate SUVs. I hate I that there's do. so many SUVs out there. Yes. I hate that the manufacturers are pumping them out left, right, and center at the expense of cars. And, you know, Lotus, which has always been known for light, well-handling sports cars, Maybe not the most powerful, maybe not the fastest, but always some of the best handling, most engaging to drive. Agreed. And, you know, they've joined the dark side. They know? have. And, and it, you know, I, I can't help but think it's kind of like a a wave going across the automotive landscape, right? You know, it's Bentley makes one and Lamborghini makes one. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one by one, the brands are getting this disease, the SUV disease, and they are producing them. And I frankly don't know why or who's buying them. And you know what, if you are buying them and you're listening to this podcast, I would love to hear why you want to spend money 
on these boutique SUVs. I, I simply don't understand it. I mean, is it, you know, the rich trophy wives and soccer moms that want to show off in the parking lot at school? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So why don't you just buy a Audi or a, you know, there's plenty of average well, because, SUVs. Because so. every other mom save, out there has got an Audi. Bucks, right? Well, every other, you know, the other moms all drive the Audis and the BMWs. <laughs> and, you know, if you're, if you're going to, uh, you know, what's, what's the term I'm looking for? You well, know, keep up with the Joneses keeping or show up with the Joneses off more. and showing off your your bank account is bigger than your brain, I guess. Yeah, right. you want that Urus, you want that Bentega, you want that. Yeah, I don't get it. I think it's dumb. I mean, yeah, but yeah, you you know my take on SUVs. I do. Period. No, I do, and I, I think we even we talked about it. I think on one of our on a, one of our prior episodes, um, you know, talking about SUVs, and I, like I think there's a place for them. I think that they do have some benefits, but I don't think boutique SUVs by exotic and high performance auto manufacturers. I just don't see the point of it other than you're spending a lot of money for something that can be done by something way cheaper and you can save that money and go spend it on something else. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think these things are particularly good off-road. Nope. I mean, the Porsche Cayenne, I guess, was okay off-road. That's one exception. That's one exception, yes. even there, like, what's the point of the thing? (laughs) Like, I mean, what's the point of an SUV anyway for 97% of the people that drive them? You know, they're going to the grocery store, they're taking their kids to school, they're driving yeah. around the neighborhood. You don't need an SUV for that. No. It's not safer. Nope. It's not going to handle better. Nope. You know, you're not going to brake better. You're not going to be safer in a crash than a well-made car. Nope. So, nope. yeah, they're pointless. They are. Nope. But amidst the sadness and despair and this negative vibe that I'm getting from you, there is... The next item we're going to talk about, which is awesome because it is no secret. And, you know, those of you that'll go back through the Internet when you search our names and you'll find our blog we did and you'll find the first two episodes of our YouTube channel. You know, if you follow us, that we love hot hatches. We do. And I have good news for you, sir. Gazoo Racing is going to bless a Toyota Corolla with yes. their skunk work goodness. Dude, the GR Corolla from Toyota yep. is coming, and I want to drive one of those. Yeah, it's pretty cool, dude. I'm, I'm impressed with it. Was it like 300 horsepower? All-wheel drive. All-wheel drive, 270-some-odd pound-feet of torque. But yep. the best, absolute best feature of all, six-speed manual gearbox. Preach, brother. Preach. Yep. So somebody at least is is keeping us car enthusiasts happy. They are. So yeah, that thing looks awesome. You know, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, so I am admittedly a huge fan of Japanese cars. Dig JDM. Like I, I, th- there's tons of stuff that comes from that continent that I absolutely love. And Gazoo Racing, they uh, they created uh, a really incredible. Well, I guess I can't say they created an incredible model of, but they were instrumental in the new Supra. Mm-hmm. And they created the GR Yaris, yep. which is a, a just a terrific looking and must be just a blast to drive. Mm-hmm. 
and now they're going to do a Corolla. Yeah. Well, and there's that GR86 coming as well. Yeah. Which should be pretty awesome. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, basically Toyota bought them. They're the in-house tuner like a, they are. an AMG or an M. That's right. Motorsport. Yep. So, yeah, they're hopefully going to turn out some cool stuff. And, you know, this thing's going to be interesting. It's, it's uh, you know, depending on what it's priced, it's got more power than the WRX. Mm-hmm. It's got um, a little less power than the Golf R. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one in that niche and yep. to see, you know, what it's capable of and how well it sells and if it's got Toyota reliability in there too. Yep. I, I wish the manufacturers, I mean, you know, so we got the WRX, we got the Golf R, we had briefly the Ford, uh, the Focus RS, which that I, I must own one of those cars. I will find one. <laughs> um, and now, you know, we got an all-wheel drive Corolla. We got the Yaris. Like, th- this is where I want to be as a car guy. Yeah, Light, and- agile, powerful, all-wheel drive. I mean... We spent many years watching WRC and loving those yep. those WRC focuses and Subarus and the Citroens and the the, the Renault. Um, you know, we sorry not Renault Peugeot, uh, the Sebastian Loeb's mm-hmm. Zara, um, and so we wanted to get these cars for the street. We wanted to get these cars for the average car guy to go out and relive those WRC dreams while you're cruising through traffic. And we've had little taste, right? We had the, we've had the Subaru for a while, we've had WRX for a while, um, you know, Mitsubishi, then the Volkswagen, the Golf R. I know I sound like I'm babbling because I am because this is yeah. freaking awesome. Well, I love yeah, these cars. We used to have the Mazda Speed 3. Yes, yes, um, yes. Actually, one I should mention, I forgot to mention, the uh, Hyundai Veloster N. That's right. supposed to be quite a blast. That's right. In a similar vein. I think this uh, GR Corolla is going to have a little more power than that. Yes. So yeah, it's yes. it's it's nice to see that at least that niche. If I can't get like a good cheap sports car because there aren't a lot of those anymore, right? You know that at least, and I can't get my wagons. You know, no. a nice performance wagon at an affordable price, but no, no. You know, at least we still have hot hatches. We do, and yeah, I mean, we love them. It's no secret. Um, on to the next topic. Yeah, this one will be interesting to you. I saw something about uh, Jeep has their Easter Safari coming up, and they've teased what looks like an electric Wrangler. Yes, they have. So Jeep, uh, the brand has said that they want to electrify their model range. And late last year, early this year, was the 4XE, I believe it's called. It's Mm -hmm. a hybrid, plug-in hybrid Wrangler. And they're going to be at the... Easter uh, Safari in Moab with this new Jeep uh, EV. Uh, So four batteries uh, packs on board placed on all four corners. So it's got good weight distribution. Um, I haven't read a ton of specs on it um, because I think really they're waiting to reveal it in Moab. And I think we'll learn more about it then. But uh, yeah, we're looking at a, a fully electric Wrangler that looks just like every other Wrangler in the line. Like, so they're not giving up any performance value. I don't think like, you know, ride height and the interior mm. looks nice and, and spacious. Like, like all, like for all Wranglers are, um, yeah. yeah, this, this, this could be cool. Yeah. And if the center of gravity is low, you know, that's going to help. And I'm assuming a motor on each wheel, probably. I think so. I think, and like I say, we'll learn more once they reveal it, 
But um, they said they wanted to do this, and they're on their way because they're also, and I, I should have done the research, but the Grand Cherokee, I believe, is going to have a hybrid model in their line mm-hmm. for 2023, I think. So, um, so it's coming. Jeep is getting there. Yep. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So... I guess the the next thing I noticed, and this one has me scratching my head a little bit, is apparently McLaren has announced that they're going to do 10 cars, special editions, for the Canadian market to celebrate 10 years in Canada. And basically, it's black with orange trim, which I don't really get how that's Canadian. I know. You know, it should be red and white. Absolutely. But, you know, it looks okay. Black with orange trim, and then there's going to be like a hood stripe with a maple leaf in it somehow or something. Yep. So... Yeah, I don't know if this is going to cost a lot more. You know, what are they going to charge you for some different colored trim? And I guess it's going to come optioned with a few standard things that are options in the regular model. But but it's it's got those two very important things in its description, Ron. It is a limited edition. Yeah. And we all know the minute you slap limited edition on anything, people will buy it because it is limited. Yeah. I think it's utterly ridiculous. It is nothing to do with Canada as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And so, frankly, like, who cares? Yeah, I, I'm not really. I saw this and, yeah, I thought, why? <laughs> but, Retarded. Yeah, there no. you go. So, we're going to dust that one off just as quickly as we ta- start talking about it because I just think it's utterly pointless. Uh, let's get into something more meaty, more interesting. The Audi A6 Avant. Yes. The concept they just demoed. Yes. That I likey. <laughs> Absolutely. It is it is awesome. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um it's a wagon. It's a wagon. Yeah. So no, I think it's really cool. So we've got uh where's the stats here? Let's grab the grab the notepad here. So we've got uh seven hundred kilometer range, uh recharges to eighty percent in less than thirty minutes, apparently. Yeah, yeah that could be quite good. Yeah. Stop so, for a coffee and a bathroom break. Yeah, and charge up. It it looks bonkers. It's a wagon. I think it's gonna be epic. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what the production car looks like if and when they get to it, and yep. we'll see if it even comes to North America. You know, apparently wagons don't sell well here. No, no, but, and it'd be too new, so we can't import it. But, um, and I guess you made a good point just then. You said, like, yeah, this is, I guess, the concept. So mm-hmm. the actual car may, you know, the, the sorry, the production car may differ a great deal. I'm just excited by what they've created, even as a concept. I think mm. it looks killer. Um, you know, we we were really both impressed with the Audi e-trons that were at Dakar. Yeah. Um, Ken Block has himself a new Audi uh, that looks really sick. Yeah. Um, they're going in the right direction. Yeah, and like I said, I'm excited about it. I agree with you. I just hope they sell it here. <laughs> Not that I'm going to be able to afford one anytime soon, but... Yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe getting a few more wagons here in the North American market. Maybe with the price of gas now and oil being so expensive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe we'll see a backlash against these big heavy trucks and SUVs and people start looking for something lighter and mm-hmm. more fuel efficient or electric. But, yeah, you know, maybe a topic for another day is like electric's probably not really viable for the masses yet, just no. given the lack of infrastructure out there. That that's my take on it. I mean, that's my opinion on it. Is that it's it it is working. It's a great idea. But as far as 
something that can be mass produced and can just completely take over the landscape from petrol. I, I think we're a couple of decades away from that happening, but I'm excited when I see things like this, that, you know, it show you that electrics don't have to be boring. They don't have to look boring. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as manufacturers can keep going in that direction and we shed the Prius and Tesla blandness, yeah. uh, be polite. Um, as long as we shed that uninspiring stuff and we have cars that really grab us and look exciting and they're fun to drive, then I think we're we're on our way. Yeah, I think we're getting there. I mean, personally, yeah, I put Tesla at the bottom of my list for electric cars. I mean, that new Hyundai, 100%. it's a crossover, but it looks nice. It's neat. It does. It's nice looking. It's got some nice features. Um, and there's a lot more electric coming. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully the manufacturers are going to produce some you know, much more exciting and interesting and varied stuff. Yes. Yep. So. Yep. Varied. So. And speaking of that, yeah, Maserati, you know, they've teased their uh, Fulgore, I guess it is, which is a GT, mm-hmm. um, electric version of the GT. And it looks, you know, from the pictures that have been released, looks pretty nice. It does. Um, supposedly it's going to be their most powerful car ever with over 650 horsepower. And, uh, you know, zero to hundred kilometer an hour time at two and a half seconds, which, you know, is quick. Yep. I'll yep. give it that. Um, and they're saying they're still going to be producing, you know, internal combustion versions for many years to come as well. But, right. you know, that's the start of high performance sports cars, you know, really going electric. Awesome. So let's roll into then the next one on the list here. And that's the electric, uh, seven series from BMW. Yep. Um, not a lot out there yet, I think, but. They're going to debut it later in April, I believe, okay. at one of the motor shows. <laughs> we we got to work on our research a little yeah. better. <laughs> yes. From what I saw, it's, you know, people know it's coming. It's going to debut later in April. But, gotcha. you know, flagship sedan and electric compete with, I guess, the Model S Tesla and okay. the Lucid and some of these other, other cars out there. Okay. That could be cool. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so now... We come to the item on the list that uh, I'm passionate about trucks. I love trucks, but I have to get someone to explain to me what Ford is thinking with this Rattler. Yeah, the F-150 Rattler. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know what the pricing of it is going to be. I I didn't look that up. I couldn't find that information easily because it seems to me that they basically – and according to the press, you know, it's basically an XL trim mm-hmm. F-150 mm-hmm. that they've slapped some rattlesnake graphics on, which is cool. I like snakes. Yep. And, yep. you know, they put some little fancy aluminum wheels and off-road tires on it. Yep. And that's it. So are they going to charge a whole bunch more for it? Or? Probably. Yeah. So yeah. what's the point? Well, and, and, and this is why I'm fired up because what is the one truck that you can go out and buy right now that I think is an absolute complete and utter waste of your time and your money you know what it is come on spit it out the cyber truck <laughs> heck no the ford raptor yeah yeah i do not know why with the plethora of f-150 aftermarket suspension systems body panels and accessories why anyone in their right mind goes and spends 70 to 80 some odd thousand dollars on a on a raptor when I can build you one for two thirds of that price, I'm, I'm gonna, I can probably put twenty grand in your pocket and save you that cash. Mm-hmm. It it 
it just blows my mind, dude. I don't understand why people, they, 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 they clamored to this truck when it came out. And I, I will admit this for a manufacturer to create a desert inspired pickup truck with greater suspension travel, you know, get you out into the desert, get you feeling like you're kind of driving a pre-runner and, you know, live out your BJ Baldwin trophy truck dreams. I get it. I totally get it. And it was cool. It's round two that I didn't get where they drop the V8, they throw the twin turbo charge V6, the price goes up dramatically, and I'm just standing there going, why? I mean, you can you can buy a nicely optioned F-150. There's more than a handful of aftermarket companies providing great suspension systems for the F-150. Throw a set of King or Fox shocks on it and some BFGs and rock it out. And like I said, save you 15 or 20 grand in the process. So I don't get it. Ford, for whatever reason, well, we know why, because people are buying this stuff. Mm-hmm. So so they're going to throw a sticker package and wheels and tires on an F-150 and charge you an arm and a leg for it. Yeah. And people are going to buy it. Well, I guess here's the thing is most people. Rant over. <laughs> slash rant. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. Most people aren't car guys. You know, most people aren't going to buy a car and then start modifying it. Right. Some of us will. Right. But, you know, your, your average Raptor buyer isn't thinking, I can, you know, go and buy a, a base F-150 or a well-optioned one and then get my own aftermarket parts. Yeah. And you've really got to put them on yourself to make it cost-effective because probably if you went to a shop to do it, you'd probably end up at around the same price paying all the I, labor. I, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I no, I wouldn't say that. I still think, even if you take it to a shop, save yourself, save with the price of some of the parts, save yourself 15 grand instead of 20. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, most people aren't going to do that though. They just want to go in the showroom, buy something cool, yep. drive it to the mall. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like how many Raptor man. drivers actually take their trucks off road? None. So very few. Yeah. So mind you, you we don't, I'll be fair. We don't live anywhere near, like if we lived in, in Southern California or Utah or Nevada, we probably see more of them being actually used for what they're meant to be used for. But here in Vancouver, they're they're simply not. They're mall crawlers. You don't think it would be good off-road on our trails? No. No. It, desert, desert suspension system isn't made for rock crawling and driving trails and such. I mean, not, not, not as simplistic as this is. I mean, I digress. Yes, there are desert race vehicles that will rock crawl. King of the Hammers, right? I mean... But that's not what we're talking about here. We're we're talking about a pickup truck with a slightly better suspension system than stock that gives them a few more inches of travel. It's it's an okay trail truck. It it wouldn't be my choice for a trail truck, but um, they're they're made for the desert. It, anyway, my like I said, I don't want to come off like some whack job that's you know <laughs> ranting about something silly because I but it, it, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm so fiscally sensitive right now Mm -hmm. with what everything costs and where we're at and the money that we don't make at our nine to fives. I just can't understand why when there seems to be a much more cost conscious option that people don't explore that and they just run to the dealer and they throw the money at them and it gives companies like Ford the excuse to go and do this. Well, I'll tell you what it is. And this is the problem with all cars right now and probably what's happening with, you know, the 
cost of cars being a lot higher is the dealers are saying, you know, you can finance this for seven years mm-hmm. and, you know, your payments are going to be this. And maybe it's like 50 bucks more than it was before the pandemic. But people look, oh, I make, you know, 2000 bucks a month and this is 500 bucks a month. I can afford it or whatever. And, you know, I think that's what it is. The, the dealers and these long, long loan terms are just snowballing into people just getting into debt but not not only that don't you think the bar has been lowered i mean for for some for a manufacturer to create a press release and that press release has a model in it that hits the automotive news outlets it's got to be more than stickers and wheels and tires is what i'm saying like i think it's silly that you know they're gonna they're gonna bilk you out of what ten grand or fifteen grand for a trim level basically. We're talking about it, which I guess is part of the problem. It's gonna be on you know Motor Trend and Car and Drivers cover. It's just a trim package. It's 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 not got any meat on the bone. It's just an appearance thing, but it's being released in a presser like it's an yeah. actual yeah. like you know new model. Like it's it's just silly. Well, I think that's what a lot of the manufacturers are doing now. You know, I've, I've noticed that, like, take Mazda. You've got the CX-3 and a CX-30 yeah. and a CX-5 and now a CX-50. Like, they're basically just coming up with all these different, essentially trim models and that's- maybe slightly different bodywork on the exact same platform. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. I mean, they keep creating these niches. They, they all don't do it, though, Ron. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, no, Jeep, I know. Jeep does it. I mean, how many was there five or six different Wranglers you can buy? Ford's been doing it forever with their pickup trucks. I mean, Chevrolet kind of does it. Mm-hmm. It's not new. I guess I guess I'm just offended that, you know, we're, somebody here is wanting us to make a big deal out of a trim package on an F-150. Like, frankly, who cares? Yeah, that's basically graphics and some nicer wheels and tires. Exactly. So, exactly. What's the point? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And it's, yeah, I mean, I just think there's too many niches now. There is. That don't need to exist. Like, can they sell enough of each of these to actually, you know, sell enough and make money? Like, mm-hmm. to, to justify manufacturing all these, like, are they selling them all? Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. Um, like, I, I think we mentioned once before, I remember going to Odessa, uh, this big auction house we have here in, in the Lower Mainland, and like thousands of pickup trucks sitting up on that upper lot and they just they're at an auction house they're, yeah. they're two or three years old and well, you know, their lease returns you know where those were all going well they're heading south yeah 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 the americans are paying big money to buy canadian pickup trucks yeah yeah so but that's another story <laughs> that shows their good sense yeah our yeah. brothers from the south they want what we toss away exactly <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's uh, what are you gonna do? Well, let let's just wrap this rant in a in a in a. Let's just put a bow on this rant and just. I'm just gonna say that I think I think the manufacturers are trying to make as much hay as they can by putting as little effort into it as they can to try to get more of your money in their pocket. And all I'm saying as a consumer and a car guy, Ron, I'm saying make them do more for hmm. your money. That's well, my point. Welcome to late capitalism, my brother. I hear you. I hear you. No, I, I, like I say, just make them do more for your money. Don't just buy something that the service department could do in two mm-hmm. hours. They could throw a decal set and wheels and tires on your on your F one fifty, and for you know twenty five hundred bucks or three thousand bucks, you're down the road. Like 
I'm, yeah. good. I'm okay with that. <laughs> this is just silly. It's yeah. in a presser and we're talking about it. It's just goofy. But like I said, they're, Ford's not the only company that does this. I'm just picking on them because the Raptor just makes my blood boil. <laughs> but putting a bow on it, I'm putting a bow yeah. on it. I'm going to wrap it up. Just tell the manufacturers that you want more for your money than this by not giving them your money. Yep. No, I hear you. And just for me to finish with a, a little rant in this set of segments here. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, we talked about this the other day um, or the uh, in the other episode. This excessive markups and excessive prices on cars, whether it's new cars or used cars at the dealers. So I saw some actual figures. And across the U.S., there was an estimate that 82.2% of consumers have paid over MSRP for their vehicles in the last, you know, year or two. <laughs> and I don't know how much that is, but, you know, the, it used to be you'd go into the dealer and you could negotiate deals below MSRP. Correct. MSRP was a ceiling. And if you were... Correct. Unless you were an idiot who just signed on the dotted line, you usually didn't pay MSRP. Not usually. But now, 82... But that, but that was like 10 years, 15, 20 years ago, dude. Well, like, not even that long ago. No? Like, not that long ago? I think even pre-pandemic, you know, dealers were trying to get rid of cars sometimes. Maybe not certain models, certain models, you know, new so, models, but... And maybe that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about some of those more, the more desirable models. Uh, I feel like manufacturers well before the pandemic were taking some of those unique models or the popular oh, sure. models and driving the value up, like like asking way more than MSRP, yeah. which irritates me. But um, If you're looking at 82% of sales now are above MSRP. That's crazy. That's like everything. That's crazy. You know. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, and apparently the manufacturers aren't too happy about that either. Their dealers are selling these cars. You know, so well, many cars above MSRP. Well, and so, okay, so now that's funny because what I'd like to do, I'd love to get, I'd love to get someone from one of the manufacturers. I'd like to get a guy from the dealer who owns a dealership, get yeah. them on this podcast and have the two of them explain to our listeners why this has even been allowed to happen. Yeah. Because frankly, the idea that a manufacturer makes a product and they put a value on it because of the R&D and the materials and the labor and everything goes into that product and they go, here you go, here's a fair price for our product. And the dealer takes that product and then they just decide, well, we're going to fleece the ever living hell out of our customers and sell this things for massive profit. What's the point? Like it, 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 all it has done is has made cars and trucks way more expensive than they should have been. And if manufacturers are irritated by it, they've helped create this problem by not having strong policies on how their dealers represent their product. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, with certain models, this has been going on for years and the manufacturers haven't really stepped in to deal with that either. Nope, they haven't. Because they like that uh, demand and the excitement and hype around their vehicles. 100%. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see if this continues, you know, if this pandemic ends any time, then, you know, chip shortages ease and supply chains ease and dealers have stock of cars again. You know, we'll see what happens. So. It's just utter lunacy, isn't it? Like, it's just almost surreal where where we've been for the last two years. You know, and, and here we are in 2022 and things are still silly and crazy and stupid. Yeah. And I get you, man. Like, and, and I I know when we led off, like we led this episode off, I'm, I think some people are going to think we're a little insensitive because we were talking about all the, the nasty stuff that's going on in the world right now. And... I know you and I know me 
we are not happy with what's happening in Europe right now. Like no. it's it's a tragedy, and we're just trying to make a little bit of light, a little bit of jab jab, funny funny, just to get you have a little bit of a chuckle uh, and set up what we were going to talk about the Lotus. But at some point, man, this is all got. We got to get back to normal sometime, don't we? One hopes. I mean, that's maybe a subject for an entirely different podcast about the economy and society and all kinds of crazy things. Um, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on that, which aren't really automotive related. But yeah, I don't know. It's the world's a little topsy-turvy at the moment. You know, that's caused problems. And I guess what demoralizes me a bit in automotive terms is just that, you know, some people are willing to take advantage of that or, or yep. just not care to keep making a buck. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry, dealers, if you can't get stock and you got to shut down, you got to shut down. I said it before when we, when we did the episode where we brought this topic up, I told you, I said, this, this is dealers trying to avoid the pain that their business earned because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, because they're poorly run, you know, mismanaged, whatever the excuse is that their business should have crashed and burned like a bunch of other businesses did. They're just trying to stick it to people to keep their head above water and, as you said on that episode, I hope people remember this and I hope that when we do get sunny side up and everything is better and life is good and we're happy that people don't go to those dealers and they don't spend their money there. Yeah. And maybe they'll teach them a lesson then. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think the dealers get it. Like I had a chat with a dealer on social media mm-hmm. that's kind of in my, my sphere. And, you know, I raised, I, I posted something about one of these, you know, cars I was looking at that was selling. It was slightly used, albeit low mileage, mm-hmm. and they wanted 38% above the original MSRP for an almost three-year-old car, you know, that had it's, some miles on nuts. it. It's just nuts. And, you know, one of these people that was on my on my social media connections, you know, re- commented on my post and he made all these excuses, you know, he made excuses about he's seen cars he sold not long ago, you know, back on Craigslist with the the buyer trying to sell it for thousands more than what they paid him for it, and that they can't get stock, and, you know, that the consumer is just as responsible, or that the consumer was to blame, or something like that. And, you know, yeah, consumers are trying to cash in now, but, dude, that's a load of crap. Yeah. This started, this began with desperate dealers with empty lots calling up their customers and going, hey, can we buy back your used car for what you paid for it? Yep. Just so they could get that back on their lot yep. to then again sell at a much higher price. I've, and I had that call. I had I had from the dealership I bought my Trailhawk from, I had the call. And it's this young salesman. He's desperate to make sales. He's like, look, you know, I, I want to buy back your Cherokee. And, you know, we're, we're going to get you into something really awesome. And I, I told him, look, dude, I'm good. Thanks. I hung up the phone. I called my salesman up. I says, look, dude, like... What the heck? I yeah. mean, I know it's not you and you haven't called me and that's why you and I do business together, but it, it, it reeks of desperation. It is a, it's, it's causing a problem that we don't need to have right now. At least consumers don't need to have it. Why should consumers be paying, you know, so many, so many thousands of dollars over a reasonable sale price. And my salesman's like, no, I know, dude, I, I got you. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the problem. He's a pro. He's awesome. And yeah, man, like I don't, we can't fix this, no. but I think the public in general, the car buying public in general can, and they just got to, and, and I think we're going to be doing this for an upcoming episode. I want to talk about like as a car guy, as an enthusiast, 
way everything is super crazy right now. Where are you? How are you spending your money? I have some thoughts because that's how I'm doing my hobby um, and my passion. But we're, we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. another episode. But really, the only people who can stop this is the consumers. Yeah, and like just to put the bow on that one, like for me, just what irks me is this: this dealer trying to make the excuse that the consumer was somehow to blame. That's crazy. And yeah, the consumers are jumping on the bandwagon. Absolutely, but the dealers are the ones that started this. Hundred percent. So. Yeah, I think you're right. If you don't need a car, don't buy one right now. No. Unless you're desperate. No. And even then, look around for a deal in the used market. Don't give these dealers your money when they're they're having shady practices just to try to make a buck themselves. 100%. Okay. Let's uh let's get a let's get a a, a cleansing spritz yes. in here. <laughs> let's uh let's uh Let's do something different. Yep. Let's get a cleansing spritz going on. Let's freshen up the vibe in here and let's hit our race news. Yes. Ron Cortez, what do you think? F1 season has begun. Give me your thoughts, brother. Um, cautiously optimistic. Okay. Um, you know, when we talked about like the preview to the season, you know, I like that there's a lot of variety in the cars. You know, 100%. they're not cookie cutter anymore. We've got 100%. some different approaches different solutions to the new rules package. Yep. And it's been interesting, been an interesting start. Um, you know, Ferrari and Red Bull are fast and that was sort of expected from the preseason testing. Yep. A um, couple of surprises was just how bad Mercedes is and how slow they are. <laughs> They're really struggling. And that's a little surprising. It you is. know, I was hoping that they wouldn't be at the top. Um, you know, and they're probably near the top of the midfield despite their problems. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Lewis Hamilton at Saudi Arabia qualified 16th, you know, was slow in the race. He managed to crawl back and get a point, finish in the points just in 10th. But, you know, and apparently, you know, he said they just took their setup a a step too far and, you know, they were making some progress and they took it a little too far and the car just fell off the cliff again. I, I don't know if I'd buy that. I mean, I think I think their design has challenges. I mean, in preseason yeah. testing, Russell was, was a lot ugly. faster though, so his setup was, was different. And he was he was fifth, I think. He so. was no, he was so fair point. I just I think they're going to have trouble throughout the season. Well, I think my, so, that's yeah. just my take. I, I I think they missed the mark, and you know, can they can they scramble to catch up? I don't know. I I'm I'm like you. I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean. The in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, the Alonzo, a coin mm. battle, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. I loved that. That was yeah. great. That was great fun. I'm sure the team was really nervous, but you know they they interviewed a member of the team, and he was like, "Now ah, we're gonna let him race," mm-hmm. and then and then eventually it settled down. Yeah, but no, like I'm I think we are we are seeing. I don't want to say we're seeing more passes. But I think it was I think it was really impressive through parts of that course in Saudi Arabia where you had the turns to the left, turns to the right in quick succession, and they were staying close. Yep. They weren't they weren't getting Cars thrown off and they were falling way back. They were being able to follow. So if you can follow, then that means you can set up for a pass, and that's what we want. Yeah. I still hate DRS. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Um, and I certainly don't want them to make a mockery of it like they almost did. Um and it, some guy on the internet was talking about drivers being clever because they were yeah. slamming on the brakes to get DRS on that yeah, nonsense. To just be behind the other guy when you cross the DRS That's detection nonsense. line. That's That's utter nonsense. Yeah. We're racers. Like, come on. Yeah. So. I mean, strategy's always race. been part of racing, but that one's a little, 
yeah agreed I, I don't buy that that take at all so he's wrong yeah um so <laughs> no i feel i feel pretty good about what we've seen um and I, i'm a member of the tafosi so you know yep i'm happy yeah and like i said to you i have no giant preference between you know verstappen and yep. perez and leclerc and signs you know I, I feel equally okay with any of them. So, hey, any of those guys wins the championship makes me feel Talking good about championship F1. already. Well, you know, I think it's going to come down. It's probably going to come down to Verstappen and Leclerc. They yeah. seem to be... Okay. The, ladies and gentlemen, the real Ron <laughs> K. He just called it. So, we're going to put it... We're going to... I'm going to hold you to that, dude. Yeah. I think that's going to be the battle by the looks of it. I don't think you're wrong. I think Sainz is struggling a little more with the Ferrari. He's quick. He's quick, and but he's not as comfortable as Leclerc, Leclerc is. And, you know, same with Perez. He's quick. I mean, yeah, that stonking qualifying lap. Like, that, that was, epic. was epic qualifying lap. That was. That was epic. But a poor start. And I just think, you know, for the long-term race pace, he's just not as quick as Verstappen. Agreed. I mean, no, I may agreed. be surprised. Maybe, you know, Perez or Sainz are going to pick it up through their season. Yeah. It would be really cool to see a four-way battle for the championship. Like, I'm, that would be neat. I'm playing with you. I mean, it's it's been a long week. I'm tired. I probably I'm overacting here. I'm I'm probably just kind of overdoing <laughs> it a little bit. I just I want to get some juice into this yeah. podcast. I want to just have high energy in here. So I'm you know I'm I'm pumped up and I'm trying to keep that vibe going through this episode. But you're not wrong. Uh, I think you're I think you're exactly right. I think it is going to be Max and and Charles um, as your championship contenders i think that there might be a spoiler in there i mean checo or science maybe they might get in the door loving what i'm seeing from k-mag yep and yep. haas thank you yeah haas is actually not the laughing stock yep. of the f1 well, yeah. uh, community this season and that's the interesting thing that i was going to mention the cars that are struggling are all Mercedes engine cars. They are. You know, we got the Aston Martin, we got the Williams, we got the Mercedes, the fast cars, the Ferrari powered ones. Yep. And the Red Bulls with that Honda Red Bull unit. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, this is, this is a, this is a nice start to the F1 season. I'm going to say that it's a nice start. I'm cautiously optimistic. I like a little bit of what I've seen and I'm ready for the rest of the season to play out. Yep. Well, we got another week to go before the next race, so... We do. Actually, before we jump off of F1, I noticed in our notes here, you mentioned mm -hmm. the new track or the new yeah. event, I guess, is going to be in Las Vegas. Yeah. Next year, Vegas you, Street how, Circuit. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I saw what I thought was a layout of what the track's going to look like. It looks a little sterile, but, you mm -hmm. know, it might have some good passing opportunities, some straights and some, like, a lot more sort of straight... Yeah. You know, stretches yeah. before corners. So, you know, I'll reserve judgment. Street circuits can be good. Um, yep. But they can also be really tight and hard to pass at. Agreed. But I like that the walls are there. It, it adds that level of danger and the drivers have to be careful. Yep. You know, yep. one mistake and, you know. <laughs> it's going like to have. Wall of champions in Adelaide. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's got the the propensity to be epic i mean it's las vegas it's a party city um for people that are going for the race they can have a ton of fun in vegas it could be really good mm -hmm. it, it could i it think could. for the sport it'll be good i think having another race in north america you know vegas like you said a spectacle 
mm-hmm. you know, hey, have an opening ceremony with a hundred Elvis impersonators or something. Yep, yep. Like they could do some fun stuff. Well, correct so, me if I'm wrong, but do do they not have an event in Florida this season? Miami, yes, street in circuit Miami. in Miami is well. so three U.S. Yeah. events. Well, they want to. I mean, Liberty Media is an American company, so I guess they want to push it back into North America. And I guess I could say I'm okay with that, but I mean, the 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 criticism I have is that you know what what are we giving up to get that? Right. And I know I have chewed your ear off, like for years now about how I see the kind of the death of the the history and legacy of F1. Right. And you know, especially when Bernie was chasing those dollars, and we're racing in all these places where I frankly couldn't care less that we're racing there Well, at the expense yeah, race of that. places where we should be racing. And yeah. it, so for me, it, this just, you know, three races in North America. I mean, do we really need that? Or sorry, three races in the United States, you know, do we really well, need that? Or could we have be visiting other historic tracks uh, in other countries and enjoying what that brings to the sport. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I'd rather see them race in Vegas and drop like Saudi. Agreed. And, you know, I mean, this ties into another issue, you know, not to be all negative again, but... D- don't, dude, don't, know, don't do it because we're, we're on a high right now. I know, now. but we're I just want to say, so F1 dropped Russia like a hot potato because of Ukraine and everything that they happened. Did. They did. But they're still racing in Saudi Arabia, which has a, an atrocious human rights record. Agreed. Their regime murders people. Agreed. They support a civil war in Yemen. Agreed. You know, there was this, this uh, rebel attack during the Grand Prix weekend that blew yep. up that uh, fuel depot yep. six miles from the track. the track. The drivers didn't want to race. They wanted to go home. Dude, I was having flashbacks to, like, in the, it was in the 90s or the 2000s, WRC in Argentina yeah. and team members getting held up at gunpoint yeah. and robbed at knife point and gunpoint, you know, and we're in freaking Argentina for rally and guys are almost getting accosted. Like I had flashbacks to that. Yeah. So why is F1 still racing in these countries in the Middle East with terrible human rights records? And, you know, I know they're not in China right now, but don't go back to China. Agreed. You know, terrible human rights record. Agreed. They're, you know, a terrible regime. Yep. Um, Russia should never come back. You know, well, I shouldn't say that. If there's a regime change in Russia, I've got nothing against the Russian people. I know a lot of Russians. I've worked with Russians. Wonderful people. Absolutely. But the regime and Putin, like as long as he's in charge and people like him are in charge, we shouldn't be going to Russia. You know, no, if I'm, these countries can turn themselves around and be decent, you know, members of the international community, yeah, let's go race there. I'm all for it. Cool. So that's my rant there. Um, before we leave F1, though, there is one other positive piece of news we should touch on. Oh my gosh, how could I miss this? My goodness. Yes, it's something you're excited about, I know. I am excited. There's a strong rumor going around that in the next month, I believe, Volkswagen Group is going to announce Audi and Porsche involvement in F1 again. So this is going to be a first for Audi. Porsche Porsche has a history. They do. Dan Gurney won a race in 62 in one of those Porsche 804 F1 cars. That's right. Um I think it's 64, around that time, they won a second non-championship race with that car. It wasn't super successful. Okay. But they had their own, you know, they were an actual manufacturer back then. Yep. But then, but then, but then, yes. the magic of McLaren, yep. the tag Porsche engines, three driver's championships, 84, 85, 86, yep. with Alan Prost and Nicky Lauda, yep. brother. Nicky Lauda! Could we get back to... 
the that that awesomeness that was a Porsche derived engine in Formula One? Well, quite possibly. I think the rumors that I've seen are that. Uh, you know, and it'll it'll be interesting to see if there's one engine that they just brand differently, or whether right. they're going to produce two different engines. Um, I mean, they're in a hybrid turbo era. Porsche has a lot of experience there. I mean, Audi sure does do. too now. Sure do. You know, they're working together. But I believe they're thinking Audi is going to partner up with McLaren. Okay. And then Porsche is going to partner up with Red Bull. Wow. So can you imagine an Adrian Newey? Uh-huh. Red Bull chassis with a really cool uh-huh. Porsche, Porsche engine. Porsche engine. That would be epic. Give it to me. Give it yeah. to me. I'm good. I yeah. love it. I, they bring it. I mean, Porsche, dude, they, I mean, they've done it all, right? I mean, dominated sports car racing. Yeah. Uh, Audi uh, heavily, heavily dominated a decade of WRC. Then Audi, they took the brand to Le Mans mm-hmm. and just cleaned the table yeah, for dominated how many years, racing, right? Yeah. Like they have, they have handled that. Um, you know, the only place that they haven't had recent success, other than that um, mid '80s success with McLaren, um, is in open wheel racing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I am super pumped about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for Audi, you got to go back to like what was it, the 40s or whatever, or built before that with the auto unions? Correct, correct. You know, way, way back. Way back. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to those, you know, those guys being involved. You know, I, I really hope there's two separate engines, two separate developments there yep. to really distinguish the two. Yep. I'm skeptical just because of the costs. I think it's going to be the same engine with different branding. Right. But, you know, either way, I think it's going to be cool. It'll be nice to too. see those brands back in F1. No, I'm pumped about it. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, I'm I'm a massive Porsche guy. You're a massive Porsche guy. We freaking yes. love Porsches. Most of them. <laughs> you know, I'm not a giant 911 fan. Ugh, I'm the outlier. But... Dude, why do you have to say that? You know you embarrass yourself when you say things like that. Not I at kid. all. I kid. I kid. No, I, dude, I'm a huge 911 fan. You Yeah. I still respect you. You still, yeah. I, <laughs> you own a 928. Yeah. You, I haven't I, owned I one yet. I'm still working yeah. on owning one. And ones, you know what? But. I have nothing against the 911s. It's just for me, there's other Porsches I like better. I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge V-dub guy. So naturally, right, I want, mm-hmm. I mean, I will, I will own a 911 because that's the natural progression after all the bugs I've had. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into a 911. Well, but yeah. I'm going to get a 928 again one day, and dude, when you drive it, you'll see. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, we're, this is, yeah. this is crazy. We're, we're geeking out. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, this is awesome. Yeah. Porsche has history, a ton of history. I mean, you know, I've been to like a couple of Ren Sports reunions reunion. that, you know, we have to go to the next one because dude, that is just racing car, Porsche Nirvana. Yep. Just the, yeah. Like everything from their tractors to like the latest race cars and everything in between. No, and that's why I'm, this is why I'm so excited because open wheel racing is the next mountain for them to climb and I'd love to see them do it. Yep. Agreed. Cool. All right. Let's catch our breath and we're probably going to clip some of that in the edit because that was kind of silly, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, we have two more topics before we wrap this episode. And I don't want to do this to people. I don't want to take them down, but you put DTM on the list and uh, yeah, I don't don't know if I can talk on this topic without getting too negative because to me, as far as I'm concerned, as of last year, DTM as we know it 
has died. Yeah. It's sports car racing. Let's it just is. Call Which is it great, it is. too. There's nothing wrong with that. It could Love be the, sports the car German, racing. German sports car series. Hey, it could have been the German sports car series. It's not DTM. No. I that agree. offends me. And so that. I'll go over here and cry in the corner with my <laughs> my uh, DTM car. I'm just going to put over here and yeah. I'm going to cry in the corner. Anyway, Ferrari and Lamborghini joining the DTM. Eugh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Lamborghini is really a German car. But it is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, the Ferraris are in there now. And yeah, for me, the glory of DTM was seeing, you know, these Mercedes 190s and, you know, the Audi 100s and you know these BMW M3s these basically yep. sports sedans yep. you know racing each other wheel to wheel on a racetrack yep. it was almost the same cars that you know were attainable to most of us agreed you know a lot of people could still afford a BMW yep. 3 series yep. you know maybe yep. not an M3 you know a Mercedes 190 an Audi you could buy something that at least looked a lot like a DTM car yep yep so yeah, that, there was that joy of seeing something that was very close to to the street cars that you just saw every day racing. There, there's just something cool about sedans. I mean, yep. I'm, I I was um, in its heyday. I was a huge British Touring Car Championship yep. fan. I absolutely freaking loved Australian Super Touring Car Racing. Yep. Yep. Uh, again, in its heyday. And I was a big fan of DTM. I, I loved it um, for a couple of decades. I thought it was the bee's knees. Um, so when they just went to sports cars, I was kind of, okay, well, this is kind of not, this, this isn't, this is not yeah. DTM racing. But um, like I said, I don't want to get everybody down. Um, sure. Quick moment it, of it, silence it, it, for DTM. <laughs> okay. We're good. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. So the upside is we get another sports car series to watch, which that's a good thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It, let's, let's, yeah. we gave it a moment of silence. I'm, I'm good. The finish is in sight here. So let's bring it home. Last on the list. Uh, you got a note here about the WRC. Tell me about it, man. Yeah. I think we talked about this briefly in a previous episode, you know, the excitement over some of this new technology Yes, and how the new WRC cars are hybrids. Yes. Um, well, that's great. That's awesome. 100%. A few teething problems, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> I guess at Rally Sweden, there was a couple teams that were in the front, running at the front. Yes. And ended up having problems with their, their hybrid control units, I believe it was. I believe you're right. And, you know, they DNF'd, I guess, some stages or had problems. And that typically incurs a 10-minute penalty. Yep. And I guess they weren't too happy about it because these are probably spec parts that, you know, they're mandated to use. They don't produce it. It's kind of out of their control and they're having problems with them. So, you know, to its credit, WRC um, responded and said, okay, you know, legitimate concern. So moving forward, they're going to reduce that penalty for doing repairs and, you know, rejoining to two minutes instead of 10 minutes. So keeps keeps these teams in contention for points and championships and things. Agreed. And it's, and it's great for the fans because they'll, they'll get the car sorted. They'll be back out on the stages. They're not just going to throw in the trailer and call it a weekend. So... Um, no, I, I think this is good. We we knew coming into this that there was going to be teething problems. I mean, I think everybody knew that was going to happen. I think, um, you know, we got through Monte Carlo without many issues. And maybe, you know, people thought that um, the existing rules would be sufficient. But the problems that the guys had in Sweden, the 10-minute penalties, it, it does seem kind of egregious for, for let's... I'll put it this way. Seems a bit egregious for a, a series that is changing and has changed its entire 
technical specification, obviously it's not going to go 100% super smooth. We're going to have problems. So let's not really put the dagger in a team's weekend. Give them a slight penalty. They can still get back out. They can. There can still be attrition. They might have a chance of scoring points. Good move um, by the FIA um, and the World Rally Championship. And yeah, let's let's see um, let's see how this season unfolds because I th- the cars are they're bonkers, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Like I I think they're awesome. I yeah. mean, I really like them. Um, I mean, I was a massive fan when we saw Audi bring hybrid technology to Le Mans. I thought mm-hmm. it was epic. I really thought it was cool. And now we got hybrid technology in WRC. We got hybrid technology in F1. We're getting there. So, yeah. you know, let's just keep the, yep. let's keep the good vibes going, man. Yeah. Well, and, you know, just to mention an episode we'll be doing later this year, you know, you and I now have tickets to the we do. inaugural Formula E race in Vancouver. We do. We do. So we're going to see some electric racing and I'm really <laughs> looking forward to that. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I, I'm I'll go on record right now and say he didn't entirely have my arm twisted behind my back, but um, yeah, no, it's it's going to be good. I'm, I'll be, I'll, I'll try and be open minded. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. I, I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know what we're going to expect. But people like it, so people like it. It must be good. So yep. I'm going to have a positive outlook on it. And we're, yes, we are going to see electric. Formula yep. E, open wheel, person, electric open cars, wheel, electric cars. With some of the best drivers in the world. There's yeah. some, you know, maybe not like championship winners, but there's some, you know, fairly well-known names. And there is. No, so there it's going to be really interesting and uh, see what kind of show they put on for the weekend. And, you know, you get to do a track walk and all kinds of cool stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, because we, we splurged, didn't we? We went to... Uh, we went no, for no, pretty we good ticket package. Reasonable tickets, but yeah, I mean, I think anybody. I think they just have a track walk scheduled where anybody can go and walk the track. And really, yeah, you know, there's okay. a bunch of events and a concert. It might be Nickelback, so <laughs> you know, your mileage may vary. <laughs> I think I saw that it was Nickelback, but uh, yeah. Anyway, either way, it's it's going to be an event. It's going to be fun, and you know what? It's new technology that we're going to see firsthand and experience. No, I'm I, I'm. I'm kind of taking the piss a little bit here with you because no, I I think it's gonna be cool. I mean, I I'm I am interested to see. I'm interested to see what the experience is, right? I'm interested to see what the fan experience is. Mm. I'm interested to see, you know, is it gonna is it gonna entertain? Is it gonna be a lot of fun? And is it gonna be interesting? So as much as I joke about it, I do have an open mind, and I th- I think I think it's gonna be a really cool. I'm hoping it'll be a really cool experience, and we're gonna really enjoy ourselves. Yeah. No, I agree. So, on that note, we're going to wrap it, I guess, eh? Yeah, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll call this episode 4, we'll call it done, and uh so far, thank you to all of you out there that are listening to the podcast. Um, you know, send us the comments, hit us up on social media, and you know, this is a journey that we're exploring together and yep. uh, we're, we're glad to have you with us. Yep. We're happy to talk about things that uh, interest you, not just things that interest us. We ramble a lot, but hey, if there's something you want us to talk about, you got an idea, you got a suggestion, you got a request, let us know. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time. Mm-hmm.